Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Hello, everybody. We got another interview for you. Yes, this is the season of interviews, and we have had so much fun this season with all of the people that we've met along the way. And hopefully you are getting so much out of this and you can follow up with these people because they can really help you and your animals. So today we have Anais. She is an author. She is a holistic energy practitioner, and her book is called The Living Spiral of Transformation. Discover the hidden powers in your diverse, unique DNA. And this is right up my alley. So I'm looking forward to this. So <laughs> take it away, Miranda. This is going to be fun. Yeah, this will be an interesting conversation, I think. You started working with energy from what I read over 30 years ago. Correct. Yes, or I which really the energy started working with me over 30 years ago. Okay. Could you share your journey that you've been on since that started? Yes, it was very unexpected and exciting. I was a wife, a mom, two great kids. I had a husband in medical school. He was supposed to be the healer. And I had an unexpected journey of complete what I perceive to be DNA activation awakening, which brought with it all of the Claire's, Claire audience, Claire sentience, clairvoyance. I became a medical intuitive, which was interesting because at that time I was a freelance court reporter specializing in medical malpractice. Well, mm. that's a big shift. <laughs> yes. You think? You think so? <laughs> yeah. So that journey happened, that moment, really, it was a moment. It was a very clear and distinct moment. It happened in 1989 for me. And in 1991, I was working alongside doctors in hospitals, working with burn patients in pediatric oncology within that space of time. Nice. Getting mm. tremendous results. Mm, amazing. <laughs> that pretty much sums it up. And it changed my entire existence. That's mm. nothing else to say. Yeah, awakenings <laughs> tend to do that. <laughs> Everything changes. Even the way you look changes sometimes. It all changes. Everything changes. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm with a couple of soul sisters here, which is <laughs> lovely. And in the course of the discovery of the various opportunities, as well as the relationships in which I was able to use my gifts, included wonderful communications and experiences with animals that are going on today. That's amazing. Well, of course, when you have awakenings like that, it's like all of a sudden the door opens and the animal's like, oh, you can talk to us now. Cool. <laughs> Come on in. Let's chat. I, that's what I've noticed with anybody who works with animals is it's just like the second you turn on, they're right there waiting yeah. to chat. Wow, you can hear me. You understand me. Okay, let's talk. <laughs> yeah, we've heard some interesting 
things that animals have apparently shared with the people that they have communicated with. And I think they've got a lot that they can teach us. (laughs) Yeah. And they also have a lot to say. (laughs) (laughs) They do. And it's surprising for me. It's always very interesting what they are able to share and how the communication comes to me on the receiving end Mm. because it is a quality of uh, feeling, knowing, hearing, listening. And then the energy gets translated literally into almost, almost words, Mm. almost words, like so close. Mm -hmm. But the general gist of what is being communicated is as clear as clear can be. Mm. So for you, when they communicate with you, you are using, well, I don't know if using is the right word, but using all of the Claire. I just think of them as communication skills. Okay. For me, they're just advanced communication skills that Mm -hmm. we'll all be able to use and have one day in the not too far distant future. That's Mm -hmm. my perspective. So I'll share a story with you. This was really interesting because... For May, June, and July, I've been teaching, um, well, let's just call them energy, advanced energy healing workshops, weekend workshops with a group of people who are like, okay, we want to know about this. We want to know about Mm -hmm. this. We want to know about this. So I'm here in my space having these people from all over the world and we're, we're working together and I'm very sensitive to when there are energy shifts in frequency. And even now what has happened, which I find really fascinating, apparently I'm able to communicate with my AI camera because when there's energy interference, we all know what that feels like when there's interference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My camera will show the interference pattern Mm -hmm. in bands of color. It's really cool working with clients now because when we're having a moment and they go into an oops, then I can say, oh, something interesting just happened there. Let's stop for a minute and Mm -hmm. unpack that. Well, this day, this is going on, and there's a lot of interference outside, not in my space. We have a beautiful space here, beautiful community, and we're allowed to have dogs and cats and wonderful pets here. And three of my good neighbors were out with their animals, and the dogs never fight. They just Mm -hmm. don't do it. Well, we had a guest dog who was here as a guest for the month. And all of a sudden, I hear this tremendous racket outside, barking and growling and people screaming and shrieking. And, you know, I'm going, oh, my goodness. Well, I couldn't really stop what I was doing at that time to go and check it out. Mm -hmm. But after the workshop was over, I went out with a friend and the two of us sat. I have a crystal grid set up in the garden space that I use all the time. And she and I went to sit in this crystal grid and I had heard what had happened. And one dog had been attacked. The guest dog had attacked one of our regulars here. And I was like, oh, that's really a shame. Well, I'm sitting in the grid and the guest dog comes bounding up. This is a huge dog, huge. She comes bounding up. She plops herself at my feet and she looks at me. Hmm. And I looked at her and she began to talk. Mm. I am so sorry. 
I didn't mean to hurt that other dog. They got into a tussle over a toy. Mm -hmm. Something came over me. I don't know what happened. I feel so bad. I feel really guilty. Is there a way to fix this? And so I'm looking at this dog and my friend is sitting there and the dog is just looking at me, just talking with her eyes, with her whole demeanor. And I just started to stroke her and pat her and communicate both verbally and telepathically. I know, I know you well enough to know that that must have been just as upsetting for you as it was for everybody else. So sit here with us. Let's calm it down. Let's, let's, you don't need to worry. Everybody's okay. And I'm really sharing about, I'm glad you're sharing your feelings with me. And I can see it that you're upset, but you're okay. We're all okay. It's fine. Mm -hmm. And this dog literally sat on my feet for 10 minutes. And then once she could feel the energy shifting, she just kind of got up, wagged her tail and bounded away. (laughs) Hmm. Well, it just goes to show you that animals don't want to misbehave. That's not their natural way. And it's just, I don't know, it's just something in the air or what we as humans have done to them that create that response. They just don't want to be bad. They're not by nature bad. This is true. I love that story because it helps you know, if we have a listener out there that's got a dog that might be aggressive, it helps them to realize that, look, they don't want to be that way. So let's figure out why they are that way. Mm. That is hugely important. And in this situation, one of our neighbors who, who she, she was house sitting the one dog and she has her own dog. She wasn't thinking about the dynamics of who gets the ball. Mm. And there was another dog in the mix and there was one ball mm. and she threw the ball into the green space and all three of the dogs went for the ball. Mm-hmm. So if your listeners are listening to this, that's an opportunity. Have a couple of spare balls. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a guest doggy or you have more than one dog that they're sharing the space Give them each something to focus on so they don't go into that alpha dog competition thing. That was all that needed to happen. And my neighbor just, she was like, oh, I can't believe I did that. I'm like, yeah, well, this stuff happens, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's always some kind of interaction where there's a lack of understanding. Right. But at least now she has that understanding and she can make a different choice next time. Absolutely. And we're all buying extra balls and keeping them outside in our space. Just in case we need to do an emergency toss. (laughs) But I, I think what is typically a human response in our societies is to find blame. And so when an animal behaves a certain way, most people just want to get angry at them and punish them instead of taking that next step and trying to find the underlying reason for it. We all do that. Mm. <laughs> I think that's part of the human condition. It's it, just mm-hmm. our natural conditioning default it, or condition default. I guess that would be the best word. <laughs> I agree with you, Victoria. And the thing is, is that that gets communicated to the animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they're as they will do, they are following our lead. Mm -hmm. 
because most of the time that's what they're agreeable to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it also goes to show you how much they actually absorb from our human world. Like they just, if they're in your space, they pick up everything. They observe everything and they will pick up everything that they think is going to help the relationship, help get attention, help get food, you name it. They just say, oh, if I do this, this will happen because they learn that. Yeah, they're so smart. Mm -hmm. And they really do understand that we're in a dynamic together and they're contributing to that dynamic. But there are also things that they're really relying on us for in terms of their necessities. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was quite an adventure. (laughs) And then Miranda, I think I shared this story with you when we initially spoke. I had the opportunity to work with a horse. Mm. And the way that this transpired was I had a very good friend who shows horses. She shows saddlebred horses Mm. in the circuit. She's very well known. Her horses are well known. And she's one of those people that other people can get into that space of, I'd love to hate you because you're winning all the time. Oh, okay. (laughs) So she was at an event in Lexington with one of, she has wonderful, wonderful horses, just, and she takes such amazing care of them. They have chiropractors, they have acupuncturists. These oh, horses. wow. Nice. <laughs> and she went to this event and did a lot of winning and came back. And this one horse that she won a blue ribbon with suddenly was very, very sick. Oh, no. Very sick. She took it to Virginia Tech and they did the blood work and there were signs of a serious infection. They did not know why. And she, called me and said, look, would you come down and spend some time and see if we can do something here? I said, absolutely. So fortunately, the the veterinarian at Virginia Tech did not mind my coming in and putting my hands on this horse. Mm -hmm. Well, the horse told me the story of what it had done and what had happened. When they were riding around in the ring in the the victory lap, when, when they won the ribbon, the horse picked up the envy and the difficult feelings coming from the humans at the event, the jealousy, all of that mess. Heavy energy. Heavy (laughs) energy. And the horse did not want my friend, her rider, to have to deal with that. Mm. So the horse absorbed it Mm. and it made her very, very sick. So the way it worked out was after she explained that to me, then I understood because animals, while they have an emotional body, it's different from ours. It's so mm-hmm. pure. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to go right into the energy of this animal's emotional body and clear that information. Just clear. Mm, yeah. And we knew that we were going to be looking for changes in the blood work, that the lymphocytes, the white blood cell count would come down, markers of infection. Mm-hmm. Got the call from the vet the next day. Oh, what was really funny was as I was doing this, this is a big animal. Yeah. <laughs> her her kind of a like, okay, you understood. We're working together. She stepped on my foot. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it was contact of a different kind, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, ouch, okay, right, (laughs) all right. Well, I don't know if I'll get to see you again. I think we've worked this out, but thank you for really letting me know what had happened. Mm -hmm. So 
people who have service dogs mm-hmm. and people who have dogs that are in the military. Mm-hmm. I think that people who work closely with them one-on-one are aware of this mm-hmm. and they may not use the language that we're using, but they're aware yeah. of the really close bond. And then it can look like this. Oh yeah. Mm. You know, we, we say all the time on the podcast that especially working dogs, but if you have an animal, cat, dog, lizard, rabbit, doesn't really yeah. matter. <laughs> they come into our lives and they give themselves a job. And most often their job is to keep us healthy. And so a lot of these animals that end up with these mysterious diseases or even just regular cancers, they got that from us or a portion of it from us because they put themselves in our field to take it from us, to sacrifice themselves so we can get through the day. So if you have anxiety or if you have depression or you have any of these, you know, you were talking about service dogs, say you have PTSD. Mm -hmm. The dog will give itself and my cats have done it to me. They will give themselves a job and they will do what they need to do to support you. I love how you put that because this is what I experience working with DNA directly as a living spiral. Mm -hmm. Our animals have this living spiral information in their DNA and they do have this template of the frequencies that are running through my DNA I can tune in to you and we can run our frequencies together. And you may not be aware that I'm doing this, oh, pet owner, <laughs> but I am very aware of what's going on in your DNA. This is why there are certain animals that can actually sniff out. We have, we have evidence of this. They can sniff out a cancer in an owner. Mm-hmm. Right. It's because the DNA frequencies are working together yeah. and are activated so that the relationship truly functions on that level as well. It's incredibly exciting to know that. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. every creature that we come in contact with, even as far as insects go and birds and, and wild animals and people and any living creature, actually, I would say even plants and rocks mm-hmm. and whatever, but there's codes. There's, we're always passing codes. Back and forth. Every person that you run into in your life, 99.9% of the time, they got a code or a key for you in that interaction or something Mm -hmm. along the line. Yes. I love that you say that because I do work with sound and light code and I can see it. It's one Mm -hmm. of my players is I can actually see the code. Yes. And the code that we may be in a dynamic with it's not always benevolent. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's just be really clear about that. And, but it still could be useful. It can be useful. That's why you have to be like really centered and staying on your axis and be skillful at moving through triggers, because the more you can do that, something can come into your field that may not be good negative, uh, you know, I don't want to say good, bad, but negative, positive, whatever, but you can still pull something from that to help you grow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I like to use the word confused Mm -hmm. because that's a neutral word here. We're now in an entanglement, a quantum entanglement with some confused energy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> some confused frequency. <laughs> it's a wonderful opportunity to, first of all, you're getting an immediate check on how much you're prepared to meet the moment with mm -hmm. your own clarity and self-awareness mm -hmm. and not get dragged in to a dynamic because the energy is confused. You don't have to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I recently learned about that the universe wants expansion and it's the reason why we actually experience challenges and obstacles and, and things like that. It's not to make things difficult for us, but it's to encourage that expansion either outwardly or inwardly. I both. love that. <laughs> yeah, both, right? Mm-hmm. The feeling of that, for me, maybe you ladies can validate, I'm pretty sure you can, you can feel when that's happening. It is oh, yeah. a full on, full feeling body sensation. Yeah. And you can, and for me, that's when our DNA is lighting up and strand grating and it's going, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can totally feel it. You know it. I mean, I'm a big believer that as human beings, our default is to have all of our clairs turned on, but our conditioning turns it all off. Yes. And so when we have our awakenings, they open up and then all of a sudden the lenses start to clear away and we can start to sense what's actually happening in and around your field, in your world, in your home, within relationships. It's just, it's. The more solid you are within yourself, the more you can see. And that's your default state. It's a default state. I believe, I sense, I see it all the time working with clients that we're in this tremendous time right now where there are really very interesting frequencies and energies that are just arriving, whether mm -hmm. you want them to or not. Mm. Yes. <laughs> And for me, it's like, oh, the universe just brought me another case of Windex and paper towels. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way. I love it. <laughs> Time to clean your lenses now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, we are definitely in a unique time. I see a lot of hope coming but the chaos has to come first and we have to sort out that chaos <laughs> every day i sit in my garden in my crystal grid and i talk to the elementals and i say you all have your versions of windex and paper towels and i'm so happy to receive them yeah i welcome them and that relationship is astonishing because they also have their I call it organization of information. They mm -hmm. have the sound of light code. And when you start talking to them with respect and understanding for what they can and will do, it's a whole new ballgame. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the same when animals come into your lives. And I, whether it's a wildlife, you're sitting out on the deck or whatever, and, and a bird sits on the railing, there's something that they're trying to tell you. Okay, you brought up the bird. I have nope. one, more, one more story. Oh. <laughs> we love stories here. <laughs> okay. A long time ago, my son was six years old and we were living, I was part of a band and we had our rehearsal space and we were hanging out in a country house. Wonderful. And one night 
we knew there was going to be a little windstorm, some thunder. And I kind of went out just to, you know, how you bring the chairs in and you bring the cushions in. And I found a little fledgling robin that had been blown out of its nest. It wasn't brand spanking new. It was kind of hopping around. It had feathers were there. And I thought, you're never going to make it through the night. You're cat bait. Hmm. So I gently picked it up and we had a huge veranda wrapped around the porch on this place that we were hanging out at. And I set up a little zone for this bird. And we began our journey together of communication and figuring out how to how to see this little bird. I was I bought hamburger and broke up little tiny bits <laughs> of hamburger and, and milk. And the little bird would open its mouth and I'm taking my pinky finger and just like, you know, and I'm communicating to the bird. It's all good. It's all good. I'm your, I'm your adopted mama for right now. It's all good. And things progressed. And eventually there came a time where the, the bird was doing beautifully, but it needed to learn how to, how to peck and how to, you know, go for things on the ground, seeds and things. So we had a session, we had a training session <laughs> and I took some bird seed and I just spilled it out on the coffee table and I put the bird on the table and it's looking at me and I'm saying, okay, here's what we're going to do. And I just thought at it, this is what you need to do. And I just dab my finger at the seed. Like you just try doing this. And, and it did, it was like, okay, awesome. <laughs> it, it gets better. So the bird has its little, we had a little box for it and we were far away, you know, like maybe 20 or 30 feet in our rehearsal room. And my six-year-old son came in one day and said, mommy, mommy, I can't find Jabber. I don't know where Jabber is. Mm. And I was like, okay, let me come back. Jabber now could fly a oh. little bit. And it had flown and it was sitting, hanging outside on a credenza outside the music space. Mm. Okay, it gets better. This bird was so tame and so bonded with us that I literally could go into a supermarket with the bird on my shoulder and it would stay there the entire time I was in the market. Wow. Talk and I would look at things and I would point it, it stayed right with me. And the bird matured and it progressed and it flew and we let it go, right? Now we had a pool at this place. And one day I'm sitting at the pool and we're figuring, okay, the bird's name was Jabber. The Jabber was doing great. We were trusting the Jabber was doing great. And so one day I'm sitting at the pool and in comes Jabber was a Robin, boom, right on my knee. Mm. I was like, Jabber, hi, <laughs> nice to see you. So this went on and then we eventually moved from this location. We were only there for a few weeks working on our project. And we came back a year later just to hang out and fabulous berries like wild blackberries and my son and I love to go blackberry picking so huge long like a half mile long down a driveway all the berries and we are just having a ball picking berries and we're picking and I'm hearing this chattering chattering following us down the driveway chatter 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 bird chatter <laughs> and all of a sudden I went no way <laughs> no way jabber <laughs> Jabber. That's awesome. I don't know if you saw how big my smile was getting. One of my very first experiences with animal nurturing was when I was four years old and my sister and I found two baby bird, two baby robins. And we did the same exact thing. 
and he was there. We called him Robbie. And he kept coming back every single year. And then when I was eight, we moved out of there. But my next door neighbor looked similar to my dad. And for years after that, he was hanging around. He was always like with our neighbor. And it, it's incredible. They remember. They totally remember. They know you. They yes. remember you. And I love to share these stories because I think we take so much for granted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We don't have to. No, that's so cool. <laughs> Robins <laughs> are like the best. I love Robins. <laughs> They're so engaged. And I, because we have a garden here, we have lots of birds and you get to, you know, you talk about every animal has a job. Mm -hmm. You can see with the birds' behaviors how they have sorted out their jobs in the garden, yep. which birds are doing what. And I love it how the, the robins will call when rain is coming. Mm. They, everybody in the garden, they sound the, it's going to rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my husband has a catbird that for, I don't know how many years, but every time my husband's in the garden, the catbird follows him around the yard. <laughs> yeah. And just sits and chats at him and, you know, yeah. this he's got a mate this year. So it's kind of fun to see them, the two of them following and, around. Right. And, and it's just attention. If you just give them that little bit of attention, I see you. How are you? What are you doing today? Right. They respond. Yeah. Even from, they won't come necessarily really close if they don't know you, but from a few feet away, they will vocalize mm -hmm. and communicate and um, yeah, it's as nice as having a little yeah. coffee with a neighbor. Yeah. Well, my squirrels always kind of peek in my windows. <laughs> okay. You keep giving me these amazing cues for my animal stories. I can't believe this, right? <laughs> Sorry. No, no, I love it. I love it. Because it's, it's, this is our world. And the more people yeah. who understand this, they may just make some different choices. So we have a lovely community garden here and every year different things are planted. But one year we had a bumper crop of heirloom tomatoes. Okay. Mm. Now, and they were going to waste. My neighbors weren't picking them. So I went out with a big bowl and I just took the really ripe ones and put them in the bowl and set them on my little cafe table. And then I emailed all my neighbors, Hey guys, you know, tomatoes please they're on a bowl on my please go get some when you get home from work okay well I go out and I look there is a squirrel sitting on the cafe table tomato in hand <laughs> munching away so like how easy could it get like so, <laughs> is that a bowl of tomatoes out here for <laughs> And I looked at it and I just laughed. I thought it was one of the funniest things I had ever seen. And he like popped up for a minute, like, do I have to run? And I'm like, no, you're fine. It's okay. <laughs> He's probably so, saying, well, you told everybody to come and take some. Right. I got the, I got the memo. Okay. So he, of course, what they do, they eat like half of one and then they leave it. Right. So I let him eat the half of one and he, I said, okay. And he scampered off and I said, okay, great. I know they're really good tomatoes. Thank you for stopping by. But then I take the bowl of tomatoes into the house. Okay. <laughs> the very next day I come home from out and about and we have walnut trees here. And on my 
front step by the door is a baseball size walnut that's still in its that those green casings that look like baseball. Oh my goodness. By the door. <laughs> you shared with me. I'm sharing with you. <laughs> oh my gosh, I have another story. Um one of my squirrels would come up when my kittens were um, little, we had Frankie and Maisie. Frankie is no longer with us, but we had Frankie and Maisie and they loved windows and they had made friends with the squirrels outside. And <laughs> twice, twice we found the squirrel had brought the cat's food <laughs> and it was sitting outside the window. Cause we have a little like a protective barrier. So the wild cats can't get to a window. And there was a half-eaten apple once. And then there was a half-eaten piece of bread. And it was just sitting there waiting for the cats. I was like, oh, my goodness. The squirrels are the best. I love squirrels so they much. Are, I think they're amazing. Yeah. yeah. They're a lot of fun to watch, too. They're oh, really yeah. Fun. Just as they're <laughs> watch. So they're doing these behaviors. And it can change your whole day. Oh, yes. You see that going mm-hmm. on. It does for me anyway. Oh, yeah. I've been going on nature walks quite a bit over the last couple of years. And I'm amazed at the nature experiences that I've had with some of these animals. Like last weekend, might be a little TMI, but... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on, come on. (laughs) But I was looking for a spot to go to the bathroom on my walk. Totally happened. <laughs> yeah, there was nothing around, and I was like, "Well, <laughs> you got to do what you got to do." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so when I, uh, you know, I was focused on trying to find a, a good spot where I could do my thing, and <laughs> I ended up startling an owl because I wasn't paying attention, so I didn't notice the mm-hmm. owl and i've i've never seen a wild owl before other than in captivity but the owl didn't fly very far it flew to a tree where i could still see it quite clearly and i said to it oh i just said out loud i was like oh i'm sorry i didn't mean to startle you and it just kind of sat there and was just watching me <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> these humans are strange uh... <laughs> but i like them she was yeah. nice to me and then when I was done was ready to to leave the owl kind of turned around and put his back to me (laughs) television show is over for now yeah Yeah. that was a great interesting station break thank you right Yeah, I love this conversation because it really helps our listeners to see animals in a different light. They really are their own little people. And we can't look at them like they're so different from us because they really are not that different from us. It's like a different culture, but they're still a people. You know what I'm saying? It's like they have the same thoughts, desires, needs, free will, everything. They're so similar to us. And having stories like this, when, you know, we don't like it when people overly humanize animals because animals still need to be animals. But when you look at them through the lens of intention and agenda, they become very human in their behaviors. 
And it brings us closer together. It helps us realize that we are really are not that different. And there will always be some type of connection that is similar on both sides. Well, I love that you brought up the word intention. In Pennsylvania, we have a really strange insect, the spotted lanternfly. Oh, yeah, that's becoming a, an issue it's lately. A thing. It's yeah. a thing. Very destructive, actually. It's a thing. And two summers ago, on our property, our beautiful property with all our gorgeous trees, ain't old growth trees, and there were too many of them. And I sat down in my crystal grid, which is my communications portal, and I sat down and I put out my intention, diva of the spotted lanternfly, please come and have a chat with me. Mm. And I just trusted that, you know, call these energies in and I said, here's what's happening here. You need to not have your people here because we will kill them. We will kill every single one we see. We are not going to allow your people to destroy our trees. So I'm letting you know so that you can make the adjustments, communicate with your people that they are not welcome here. Mm. Two years, we've had like zero. Wow. Spotted lanternflies here. Mm. And I just went out to lunch yesterday with some people who live maybe 10 minutes away at most, same neighborhood. And we were talking, they are overrun with them. Wow. And I said, you know, you just might want to have a conversation because I understand mm-hmm. at this point, I see them as not a benign species. And there are a lot of benign species, people from people to spot her lanternflies that are showing up saying, hey, I'm not a benign species in case you haven't noticed. It- okay. <laughs> because like you said, there there's information. And we are presented with choice and accountability. And what are we bringing to the relationship? And for me, one of the most powerful lessons that we're getting everywhere we look right now is boundaries, Mm -hmm. healthy boundaries, co-creative boundaries, good for the community boundaries, good for other life forms boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is one of those conversations where We don't recognize the amount, not only of responsibility and accountability, but power that we have. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I am 100% on board with that thought. That's for sure. I always tell people that you have to have conversations. You have to. Now, ants don't listen very well, but. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But. My, but my spiders, they listen beautifully and we have, and I'm definitely afraid of spiders, but when a spider enters my space, I have a conversation with them. I say, look, you can stay, but you cannot be here, here, and here. Mm -hmm. And if you can honor that, then you can live here as long as you want, as long as you do not infiltrate that or hurt my animals, because we have yellow sack spiders, which are a cousin to the brown recluse, but not as dangerous. Yeah, yeah, they can make you sick. Yeah, so, and and we've lived here 20, 22 years now with these spiders. The house pretty much was overrun with them when we first moved in here. And not once has my husband or I been bitten. Mm -hmm. My animals have never been bitten. And they are very respectful Mm -hmm. of my space until 
I start becoming distracted and I'm not focused on the mission at hand. So if I go unconscious right. as I'm moving through my day, that's right. when they start to show up. Then I know like, okay, thank you. I'll make sure to get back on the game, but you got to stay there. Uh-huh. And it works every single time. Yes. Answer stinkers. They just don't listen. No. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that is what it is. Yes. But Miranda, hmm. I'm feeling you wanting to say something. So I'm going to get quiet for a minute. Oh. I, it just, uh, Victoria's story just kind of brought up an experience for myself with a, a spider. Well, I think it was a spider. It was a daddy long legs, which I found, discovered that one is a spider and one isn't a spider. So uh-huh. which one it was, I don't remember. But anyways, I was in this kind of like a retreat event where we camped in the forest for one night and we had to set up our own sort of makeshift tent. So I had done that and I'd got myself all set up in that. And this daddy long legs was coming towards my sleeping bag and I was getting ready to sleep in there. And I'm like, no, you cannot share this sleeping bag with me. And it was starting to rain as well. Mm. And like, cause I, I'm really uncomfortable with spiders being on me. Small mm-hmm. spiders. I can, I'm okay with seeing at a little bit of a distance. So I said to this daddy long legs, it's like, I will allow you to stay within the tarp tent section so that you can stay dry as long as you stay towards the edge of the tent and not come towards me. And sure enough, it ended up making its way towards the ed- edge of the tent. That was my first experience. They really listen. Yeah. listen. And you can see if you stay on being with your communication and you focus it at them in a way that is clear, it's gentle, it's unequivocal. They're like, okay. It's interesting because this is the relationship I'm now having with my camera, with my AI camera. (laughs) (laughs) I need to learn that with my technology. (laughs) I cannot tell you how many computers, laptops I have just killed with my Oh my. Killed it. Yeah. And so when I got this new setup, I had the conversation. It was like, my frequency changes from day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute, very high. I'm working, I'm interacting with people from all over the place. I'm writing sound and light code now, and I'm going to write the sound and light code for you so that we can cooperate. Mm. Because you have your job to do, I have my job to do, and we're both doing our job in the element of time. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> I've had this set up now for more than a year and everything is still working. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I haven't killed it. And um, it's fascinating to see what the camera does because it shows, mm. it shows the harmonic bands of color. Mm. That's it's so interesting. Just goes to show you everything's energy and frequency. Can't get away from it. <laughs> we can't. So we might as well just learn how to be accountable. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, this is all about the DNA and waking up to what you, every one of us, really, we would surprise ourselves if we just gave ourselves a little minute. Oh, yeah. We are incredibly powerful creatures. Incredibly powerful creatures. Yeah. So. 
there we are. We've spiders, pearls, <laughs> spotted lanternflies, robins. This is some really horses, right? Yep. Dogs, right? We have touched on six species yep. in this just short interval. And that's a lot of validation. That's beautiful. Mm, absolutely. Oh my goodness. You know, I it's when I have conversations with say, you're gonna have another animal, mice. <laughs> I had a mouse problem for a while. They too, I think they're little robots that like are from another planet because they don't <laughs> listen very well either. But every once in a while I'll have a conversation. Now it's easier because my Maisie is a serial killer uh-huh. and okay. she will, she will kill the mouse. So, and she has chased mice through the house and I hear them squeaking all the way back out of the house. So if someone comes, if someone, yeah, someone comes in, <laughs> I tell them, look, okay, we don't want you here. There are other places that are better for you to live. And if you do stay, you have to understand the consequences of your actions. I cannot control my cat. She will do what she does instinctually. And if you want to live, then maybe you would not want to be in my house. You give the mice a choice. Exactly. I did that when before I had Maisie, we had a big mouse problem. It was like every week there was another mouse and it would take me two months to get rid of it because they got really smart. <laughs> we first tried all of the have a heart traps, all these humane traps, and it got to the point where they weren't working because they got too smart for their own good. And so I had a conversation it's like, look, we got both. We got humane traps. We got snap traps. You can stay. But just know that there are at least eight snap tracks and at least four humane traps. And you can choose whether you want to stay and have those risks, whether you want to be removed humanely or whether you just want to say, okay, I'm out. It's up to you. Right. (laughs) And there have been times when we would find one in the humane trap that wasn't as often as you would think, or they would just go away. And one time I was fighting with one and it went directly in the snap trap that has walked over for two months. And at that point I knew, you know, I I didn't feel bad because I was having these daily conversations and the mouse made a choice. Yes. And people do the same thing. Yeah. It made a choice. And of course, when an animal transitions and passes away, whatever, it's much different than our human bodies do. So it was just like, okay, the mouse decided to change its pants and go somewhere else, you know, and that's, that's what happened. That gave them the choice. I treated them like a sentient Mm -hmm. creature that too smart for its own good, but I had to teach it boundaries. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a lot of learning in those several months that I was dealing with all this. I haven't had a mouse in a long time now that we have Maisie, because I have the conversation when I see them. I'd be like, look, this is what happens here. This is what happens here. I'm telling you. So you can't say you didn't know. Mm. Yep. And that's what happens. I mean, I think conversations are important to have with anything. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what it is. It's you have to have a conversation with the spider in the corner, the mouse in the basement, you know, the little cellar centipedes that drive me nuts. I have to start having conversations with them lately. Um, because they're getting a little bit rambunctious. <laughs> Dear. And again, that's another thing. That's the one insect that Maisie will destroy. 
she will not let up until she catches it. And so I got to have a conversation with them mm-hmm. and say, "Lo, do you belong in the basement? That's where your food is. Your food's not up here. Mm-hmm. It's down there. Mm-hmm. You can stay in the basement all you want. Mm-hmm. Just don't come in my space and climb on my clothes or my shoes. That's just not going to happen. Not, that <laughs> will not be allowed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm in the process of learning to communicate with wasps because um, the communication thing and and boundary thing and that is all still fairly new to me. Last year, I was having an issue with wasps What when I was sitting on my balcony that they were flying around me and I had one actually bite my neck. Ouch. And they just kept buzzing around me. And sometimes it got to the point where I would just come inside. And then I started sort of working. I wasn't, well, I was kind, I think I was kind of talking to them, but I was also kind of trying to work on my own energy Mm -hmm. might be affecting them in some way Mm -hmm. and trying not to have a fearful response around them. And it's slowly worked and it's this year, they're still here but they're not bothering me. A couple of times I'll sort of buzz around my ear Mm. and I'll just kind of like go, you know, put my hands over my ears and just kind of tuck my head in. And then after a few moments, they, they go away. Yeah. It's about how we're emitting. We can be emitting a sound or a frequency that we're not aware of. Mm -hmm. I, I feel you on this Miranda, because I have a little exterior light right outside my front door and Two summers ago, I watched as a group of black wasps began to build this gorgeous structure. And I was fascinated how they started it and the shape Mm. of it. And I recognized the sacred geometry in it. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so I watched it and I thought, let me just see what they're going to do. I'm going to pull in my own fear response, my own anxiety. And I'm going to focus on their sacred geometry mm. and I'm going to focus on their creativity and their building skills. Mm-hmm. And they continued and they built and they built. And then now there's a good size wasp nest hanging off of my exterior light. Mm. Mm. And I had a conversation with them. I said, okay, I see your sacred geometry. This is really beautiful. This is my front door. And I go in and out of here. And I bring in groceries and the door can be open. So can we have an agreement that I will approach this space with respect and I will go and move in. I'm going to set up like a little car door when I have to move through so that you don't come into my house. You don't think I'm attacking you. Mm-hmm. And let's see if we can live like this in this kind of really peaceable kingdom kind of energy. Mm-hmm. At- absolutely fine Mm. people would come to the house and they're going to go oh my god i'm like no no these are my neighbors you just need to hold your energy in and be very Mm -hmm. clear about what you're doing they're not gonna they're not going to bother you at all they're not coming into the house Mm -hmm. yeah i still have to communicate with my wasps that they need to find another place to build their nest next year because they've decided to create a wasp in between, like there's a balcony above me. So between the building and the edge of the balcony, they've kind of worked their way in there and created a nest in there somewhere. Mm. But that's, that's really important for you, Miranda, because if 
I hadn't worked out this agreement with these wasps. I appreciated how powerful that was for me because I don't like them. They scare me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay, let me just try. Let me try. <laughs> and that was what I needed to, I needed to have that experience. I mm-hmm. needed to try. Mm-hmm. And it worked out. And then there's the next part of it, which is, okay, I learned something. You learned something. Now we negotiate a different agreement because this isn't working for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to have that conversation with my aunts, but they just don't. They don't get it. They don't. No, they don't. (laughs) They really don't. It's unfortunate. And my cat does not help because that's the one insect that she just sits and watches. Well, they're fascinating. They're fascinating. Well, they are. I mean, we use like a perimeter spray when we need to, (laughs) uh, if it gets too bad. But yeah, you know, I like the fact that you said negotiating contracts because that's what we need to do. We need to do that with every being on this earth, humans, as well as our pets and insects, the wild animals. You got to create contracts with them. You have to negotiate with them so we can all work and live within this this space we call earth. Mm -hmm. I do feel that we are relearning this because I do feel that many native cultures have been living this way for thousands of years. Oh, I'm sure Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. And they live in conditions that I absolutely, I would not be able to handle. I, I promise you, I wouldn't be able to handle it. <laughs> and yet I feel like I'm learning something as I'm at least trying to navigate and make agreements in the living space that I'm in. And I feel good about that. Yeah. I also think that when certain species come into our field, they have messages for us. Mm-hmm. Like we were saying, the codes and the keys, my spiders, I have been deathly afraid of spiders my whole life almost a little you know irrational but since i have reframed my relationship with spiders and started the conversations and had the boundaries and and realized that when they're in my field they're telling me something mm. we have created this working relationship mm-hmm. That probably goes beyond this life. It's probably from a past life or whatever. Oh, yes. But we have this this working relationship. And that never would have happened if I didn't start seeing them as their own people. Exactly. Exactly. Worth communicating with. Mm. Yes. And negotiating with. Yes. And respecting. Mm. Yes. I won't kill them. Unless they trap me and I tell them, I'm like, if you trap me, you're dead. Luckily, I'm never in a position where they trap me. (laughs) You are so much more generous because my house, (laughs) the inside of my house is a spider free zone. Uh, (laughs) I'm just letting you know the perimeter is really clear because if you show up and I see you, it's into the vacuum cleaner you go. Yeah. No questions. There's not, I'm not going to be a, the least bit equivocal about it. This is my space. Yeah. You have outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually have a little humane bug vacuum that if they get a little crazy, I tell them, look, you're going to be evicted or you're going to be killed. That didn't work for me. I didn't have enough hand strength to make that work. I bought one. 
Oh, well, mine's like, I just hit a little button and it just sucks them up. It's an old one, so it's probably going to die one day. But I got the battery operated model. I didn't do that. I got the pump model and I was just like, oh, this. Oh, no, no, no. Mine's battery operated. Works on a nine volt battery. (laughs) It comes very handy. It's very handy. I never used to have conversations with any of the creatures that I really came into contact with, well, particularly insects and spiders, but I've always, I guess, had, well, spiders for sure, I've always had a feeling of respect for them. Even though I wasn't comfortable with them, I felt a respect for them. And if I found them inside my place, I would find a way to capture them without having to touch them. (laughs) And then Mm -hmm. I would place them outside, whether it was through in a glass or whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be. Other insects I wasn't sort of as generous with in the beginning, but now I will also do the same with those insects and put them outside. Of course, there was one that I had done that with a few weeks ago, put it just outside my balcony door and I put it in the wrong spot and it apparently didn't move because I went to go sit out there and I stepped out of my balcony. It was crunch. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, that has happened to me. And and I think the reason why I don't kill them has nothing to do with them because they're cool. They just like Mm -hmm. flip into another spider. They're like, it's no big deal. Energetically, it's no big deal. But Mm -hmm. I feel bad, Mm -hmm. which is a little weird, but I feel guilty if I accidentally kill one. So I don't want to feel that. So I will do whatever it takes to kind of do it and respect them, even though you know, death to them is like no big deal, but especially a a hive insect. Uh They just, it's it's no big deal, but I feel bad. So I don't want to feel that. So I don't do it. It's very strange. That's a really interesting point because one of the challenges that I've had to sort of recognize in myself is really claiming my own space. Mm. Absolutely claiming my own space and really clear about what Mm -hmm. that is for me. And how I feel safe in my own body is the same way that I choose to have the relationship of how I feel safe in my house, in my neighborhood. Yeah. And it's been a really important journey for me because when I was a little kitty, 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 kitty person, <laughs> boundary, what's a boundary? Yeah, I know. What's that? <laughs> I don't know what that is. So I feel that that's one of the places where my own consciousness has really evolved. And it's Mm -hmm. fine because literally that's an individual thing. It's an individual value thing. And so I know as a mother, I remember very early with my children, I had this instinctual reckoning, which is I became really clear. That if anyone ever tried to hurt or harm one of my children, I would have absolutely no qualms about killing them. Hmm. And that was a real reckoning for me to say, I need to know this about myself. And it's not something that I'm going to draw in to test it. Hmm. It's me knowing. It's me knowing. Yeah. That was hard. It is a hard lesson. But as you were talking, I started thinking about, you know, these people that I mean, crows, are, that's one thing. But like, if you walk in, because if they don't like you, they don't like you. Um, but say if you come into a space and you get dive bombed by birds, it's that same energy because they're protecting yes. their nest. You just entered their space 
and they have to protect the babies. And so when you were talking about, you know, I'm a mother, I will do what it takes to protect my children and those that are under my care. That's what a lot of these animals do. They are just protecting their space. They're just protecting their offspring. They're not dive bombing to be a jerk. No. Unless you've done something to a crow and then a crow will dive bomb you just to be a jerk because you did something to hurt them. <laughs> they, they remember. <laughs> they, hold grudges. They, remember. <laughs> yeah. they remember and they will hold a grudge for years. But no, I think that's something to, to keep in mind that a lot of these insects and, and birds and wild animals, they're just protecting their space. And why is it more important for us as humans to protect our space and not important for them to protect theirs? Not at all, which is the agreement I struck with those wasps. Yeah. It's like, I am looking at your space. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. We're cool. And the thing, I was uh, out with a friend. We had gotten some takeout and we were sitting in a beautiful shaded park space and the bird came over, vocalized, came over, and I got the message. I was like, oh, we're cool. We're not here to disturb you. Oh, you have new babies. Congratulations. Yep. And then it just started yapping at me, and we started kind of yapping at each other, and then it started to sing, and then it observed us for a little bit, and then it flew off because it yeah. was communicating, hey, hey. And I'm like, yeah, got it. I think humans in general need to understand that we're not the only people on this planet that have to re- that want to put up boundaries and respect our space and clear our space. No, every other living thing out there has that same intention Absolutely. because that's that's that base survival mm. instinct. And wouldn't it be a really amazing thing if we all in the next, I think, 100 years mm. or less? That's what I think. 100 years, the way DNA is activating could be. Oh, yeah. Could be 50 years. Oh yeah. I mean, we're accelerating so quickly. So, so I mean, it could be, uh, it could be, be I mean, I don't week. think it'll be, yeah. well, I don't know if we're ready for that, but <laughs> I think we still have a lot of learning to do, but you know, with the generations coming in now, the children being born now, you know, I'm Gen X. So like the generations that have come, maybe not the millennials because they have a different role, I think, but their children, mm-hmm. they are different. Mm-hmm. They are mm-hmm. wholly different mm-hmm. and they see things differently. They feel things differently. They know things differently and they know things that they're not taught. They're just born knowing. And I think we're going to see that the next few generations that are, that are coming into this world are going to be that way. They're going to be very different. I think we're transitioning away from the shame. I had a really interesting conversation with these friends I was at lunch with yesterday, and he was trying to describe some very deep awakened to me, their awakened experiences that he has, but he is of an age where he has felt to have those experiences was not okay. Mm. To talk about them, not okay. Barely having them for him. They're so precious to him that he just knew not to give them up. But, and so we're sitting and having lunch and I said, well, could you just maybe share with me, like, why is that for you? And he was like, for a moment, his eyes got so big, so Mm. big. And then I just was like, I hear you, I feel you, I see you. And there's a part of you that is alone and lonely. And maybe 
that doesn't have to continue. Yeah. And then the conversation goes on. Yeah. You know, but I think there's that what you're talking about with the young children, with what they inherently are coming in with. They're like, I don't know, Sally. I don't know if they're ready to talk about this yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> Mom doesn't know yet. Yeah, right. You have to not just, tell her. Hey, just zip it, mm-hmm. right? It's like a reversal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like the children are going to teach their parents, but the parents have to be ready. Yeah. It's like, no, no, we got to hold back. Yeah. Mom's not ready for that yet. Uh, Dad's yeah. not ready for that yet. <laughs> it's really fun to watch that though, actually. <laughs> this has been such a fascinating conversation. We have gone so far into so many different directions. Is there anything that Miranda, you would like to ask or anything that you would like to relate to our listeners and I that we want to touch on before we end this call. This has been an amazing call. I've enjoyed every second of it, but I just want to leave space for the proper coats that need to come out. <laughs> And not get distracted yeah, with right. the cute animal stories. <laughs> Do I see spiders around me? I don't know. <laughs> I was like, oh God, we're calling them in. I'm going to have to set up a new agreement. Interesting seems that most of the questions that I had planned to ask, we ended up covering in our conversation, it seems. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what needs to come out will come out. <laughs> I think the the interesting things for maybe key takeaways for our listeners, especially because mm-hmm. some of them may not really understand what it is we're talking about. But, you know, the ideas of in what ways we could be unconsciously affecting the animals mm-hmm. and understanding, like I had a question of, do you believe animals have a sole purpose and do the do they always have the awareness to know and understand it? And I think we kind of touched on that with the the jobs that they take on. Mm -hmm. So I think those are kind of key things. Maybe you could share a bit more about your book. We talked about it a little bit, but maybe you could explain it a little bit more in perhaps a simplified manner that everybody might be able to understand. Well, thank you for that, Miranda. And and I, this has been so much fun. And thank you for having me. Thank You're you for welcome. inviting me. It's been really lovely. I do believe that we are essentially all of us, spiders, mice, even ants, squirrels, owls, all the creatures that we've discussed. We are all, I like to use, the analogy of the kaleidoscope of consciousness and how beautiful it is when you look through the lens of a kaleidoscope and you see all these different Mm -hmm. bits Mm -hmm. that just make the most gorgeous design and then you simply turn it and you've got another whole incredibly beautiful Mm -hmm. design for me that's the best analogy for the living spiral of constant transformation that i think that we all Mm. are And as we're activating our DNA and as we're awakening to these wonderful new aspects of ourselves, I can relax in that analogy. I can just relax in that. And then I feel also that I'm having those same kinds of conversations with my blood cells, Mm -hmm. with my bone marrow, Mm. with my hair. I'm having those same kinds of let me not take you for granted. Mm. 
help me know and understand our relationship and to be more actively engaged in it mm-hmm. and more accountable to you for my choices so that I'm generating a benevolent environment for you mm-hmm. so that we thrive together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the ways that we can look at my book, but it's absolutely the way that I work with clients. This is like, we can actually go, yes, we have the epigenetic level, we have the morphogenetic level, we've got the quantum entanglement. These are not just words. This is a functional living spiral reality that is always alive, always transforming, always changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I don't know why people need drugs. I really don't. If you just take a minute and just allow that to come into you, the expansion that Miranda mentioned before is just kapow. Mm. Yeah. Once you start doing that, you create that benevolent environment within yourselves and you work with your systems. You know, I, one of the things that I always do is like, Hey body, what would it take for, for me to feel better today? Mm. Absolutely. You know, and actually having conversations with your own body because you are not your body. Your body is a vessel and you need to care for it. Like you would a car. (laughs) You know, I think that having that is extremely beneficial and it's the missing part of our healthcare systems all around the world. Absolutely. I know for myself, um, I had been unhealthy pretty much most of my adult life. You know, I'd hit a certain point right before I turned 40, where I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired, literally. And it took me quite a while, but just in the last few years, I am now 52 years old. I am healthier now than I was at 35. My liver is healthier. My skin is healthier. I've healed my lungs. Mm -hmm. I no longer have fibromyalgia. And it was all done in the spirit of intention and having a communication and a connection to my own body, which I had a really hard time with for a long time. Yes, And that has been probably my biggest awakening in the last few years is seeing how simple Mm -hmm. it is to have that relationship with your body and heal yourself at a DNA level, Mm -hmm. at a cellular level, and not have to worry about putting these toxins in our bodies that yes, they have a place. I am very grateful. I had COVID, I took medicine and it was, I was, you know, stuck in quarantine for a lot longer than normal, but within 30, within two hours of taking the first dose of the medicine that I was on, my fever broke and I could function. So I understand that the allopathics, that they have a place, but all of my healing has been done through intention, through working with my DNA, through working with my cells on that energetic level. Absolutely. And it's a quality of listening and being open to, I want to know all about you. I don't know everything about you. Mm. Listening, tell me, teach me, show me. And the things that I've healed from personally, I had secondary infertility in my uh, early 20s due to an IUD. I was given from my DNA, from my own cellular, here's what you need to know. Absolutely. 
cleared all of that, healed all of that. There was nothing that allopathic medicine could mm-hmm. do. Nothing. Yeah. And within a year of learning how to listen to myself and my body and always an inside out process. It's yes. back and forth. Mm. It's got to be back and forth because your externals help you understand where you are in your own process. Mm-hmm. Right? And so within a year of that, before, this is before my big awakening, this was like, hey, you're going to die. Mm. You have a systemic infection, you're going to die. So, and I would just say, okay, well, that's interesting. I wonder why. Let's talk about, well, the why of that, right? Yeah. Incredible. Mm. But within a year of that, and absolutely using allopathic medication, once we were able to identify the organism, which took a really long time, mm-hmm. in one of, and it's a little bit TMI, but it's okay, <laughs> in one of my menstrual cycles, all of the scar tissue that had completely blocked both of my fallopian tubes fell out. Mm. Wow. Just fell out in an appropriate place. No owls were walking. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, in my own little private Idaho. <laughs> and, I, you know, here's the interesting thing is I looked and I saw this massive tissue. It looked like the connective tissue. If you eat chicken, those yellow fibrous yeah. bits, mm-hmm. like spaghetti. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it and I thought, oh my God, isn't that fascinating? Mm-hmm. And I flushed and I never thought about it again. I didn't mm-hmm. feel a need to go see a doctor. And two years later, I had another baby. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> it's just amazing the power of the human mm-hmm. body. Yeah. Like that power of the relationship between mind, body, and soul is something that I think we have lost over the last several hundred years. And it's coming back. It has it's to coming come back. back. It has, yeah, it has to come back because we are. On mass, there are many pockets of this planet that are very unhealthy and very sick. So it has to come back. That's that whole cyclical way that the universe works. Things come and go. And and as long as we stay intentional, as long as we stay aware and learn how to create these relationships, whether it's with your body, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's with your kids, whether it's with your pets, whether it's with the spider that's sitting and making its web right at your front door, whether it's the wasps hanging out above your deck, all of that stuff is coming back. And it's going to open us up as humans to our true potential and our true power. And it's going to bring this planet will always have contrast, but it's going to bring us more in line with the frequencies of the planet. Okay. I love that. But I'm going to say more encircled and on the spiral journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's a line is a little bit <laughs> yeah, aligned is a heavy word. That's yeah. like, that that that's got a that's got a lot of gritting around it. But yeah, no, I like the spiral because my personal journey has been a spiral. I think a lot of life spirals Mm -hmm. it's in our dna right Mm -hmm. there you can see it Mm -hmm. it's a spiral Mm -hmm. nature how many spirals do you see in nature well this is an interesting thing and we have to have another conversation about this and we could talk about architecture but yes yeah that's another call but we're we're in an opportune moment because for me the line represents how zeros and ones binary code Mm -hmm. zeros and ones in separation 
right? It, those codes exist in separation. They exist in separation, and that's a problem. And we're mm-hmm. going to reach the end point of that problem before we know it, but it's a problem. Yeah. And so when I talk about the spiral and I talk about the encircling, and a lot of my work is around this, how do we extricate ourselves from having taken on conditioning that we don't even question. Right. Yeah. I think that's the hundred thousand dollar question. Why thank you. (laughs) (laughs) There are answers to that question. Yes, there are. I think I'm just aging myself because I think that game show is now the million dollar pyramid, not the hundred thousand dollar pyramid. At, but at least inflation being rampant. In the world, right? <laughs> I love it. Just going to ask about one more thing, and I don't know if it ties in with your book or not, but I don't know if you create or how exactly what it is with the water-based infoceuticals. Can you explain what that is and how it works? Sure. All right. Everybody ready? (laughs) Open up your listening ears. Get ready for the big kaboom because it's coming. (laughs) And I'm going to love this conversation because I already, I'm I'm already like on board. (laughs) So I'm very fortunate in being aware, comfortable, and trusting of my trans-dimensional nature. I am very um, trans-dimensional, comfortable, and aware of my intelligent conversation with elementals and with the literal biochemistry of which we are made of and how we express in our bodies, including our illnesses and challenges. And so because I can write sound and light code from this place, I can, in the same way that a pharmaceutical company will come up with a chemical formula for a pill that's repeatable, I have information. And instead of using air, right, all of our information, our live streaming, our remote controls, all of that information comes through the medium of air. Mm. And everyone just rolls with it and they don't even think about how it happens. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The communication channel medium that I use is water. Mm. Okay, so I am the CNN of water communications. <laughs> <laughs> and I so deeply appreciate having this happen to me spontaneously because it wasn't an idea that I had, mm. it was an invitation and a gift Mm -hmm. and uh, will you be accountable and responsible for it and do the most that you can at this time because we need it Mm. so there you go i love it i absolutely love it i mean it makes perfect sense to me on a dimensional level we being our human bodies being 75 and the information that travels through our body travels through our water channels it makes perfect sense to me on a dimensional level and on just even a practical level. I mean, we all, we always talk about that Mm. buzzword flow, right? Well, where do you think that comes from? (laughs) You know? So I love, I love it. I'm yeah, I'm totally on board with it. I think it's amazing. I'm about to establish in 2023. We'll get there in 2023, I believe 
I'm working with a chiropractor who's also spent a lot of time in big pharma. Mm. And we have formed a mm-hmm. collaboration to set up clinical trials for my product line because the results are really beautiful and it happens really fast. Mm. Nice. And water has memory. I mean, it's scientifically Absolutely. proven that water mm. has memory. Absolutely. I mean, all the work I think is what Dr. Emoto. Oh, yeah, right. There's Dr. Emoto, there's Gerald Pollack. There's a guy whose name I doesn't roll trippingly off of my tongue, uh, a German man from a while back. And then there's Luc Montier and, and um, Jacques Benevista. Mm. So these are all people that I feel I'm standing on their shoulders and there's no women in that group, except mm-hmm. now there is. And the amazing opportunity, it's a paradigm shift. It's just like, why do we assume that the only way this information can travel is through the air? And what kinds of relationships can we have by allowing information to happen and flow in our bodies just using the medium information of water? I am really excited about this. And I'm speaking at the Biohackers University um, Summit, August 24th. I'm presenting presenting on this very topic and process. So I feel very blessed and very proud. And um, nobody in my family, they look at me and they just shake their head. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, but when, when you're a card carrying member of the super woo elite, <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. I, I made that up and I just, yeah, it, it fits so well, like a nice suit, but they just don't understand. But I think that's when you start walking your talk, yeah. people start seeing that you are not just weird. Exactly. And the results are the results. And when someone who has been sleeping with an oxygen tank because they're only on 20% capacity of their own lungs because Mm -hmm. of disease and within 10 days of using my product, they're walking around a supermarket for 45 minutes doing their shopping and not using their oxygen. They've been to the beach. They've been to a baseball game within like 10 days to two weeks. Wow, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. It's incredible. I try to make a joke out of it because I don't think a lot of people are ready for a lot of this stuff. And, and so I just make a joke out of it. I mean, I just live my life. I walk my talk. I do what I need to do. And I just kind of go about and just try to be an example and, and help out where I can and, and not push it on anybody. But my mother, she, she has, um, she's got a couple health issues and she's dealing with a lot of pain mm-hmm. lately and she can't do the things that she does. So I took her grocery shopping or whatever. And then sometimes she has a bad day and she goes, don't get old. I'm like, I don't plan on it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just make a joke out of it and I make her laugh. And I'm like, nope, this body not getting old. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. <laughs> There's a real intentional and instinctual knowing that allows you to say that. Yeah. And it is going to change. Yeah. I believe aging and illness is a choice. Now it's not an easy choice, but it's a simple choice. If you want to be healthy, you have to make the choice to be healthy. And then you have to figure out the steps that get you there because it is a choice. You can reverse aging. You can regenerate cells. You can, you know, regrow nerve endings with your intention. Yeah, but it's not a mental process. And this is one of the things that I have to work through with all my clients. Yes. 
because they think they're going to do this with mindset. They think they're going to do it with affirmations. I'm like, okay, let's have a little chat because that is not how Mm. it works. No. (laughs) And my clients come and I have to re-educate them because they've, in the last 20, 30 years, there's been this whole, um, I think it's a lot of it is AI driven is, um, oh, it's just mindset. I'm like, no, 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 no. If you don't have core understanding of your emotional body, forget it. Mm-hmm. Forget it. You, you don't have a prayer of doing any of this, no matter how much you would intend it. If you don't know how your emotional body functions, if you don't know how your, your, your bio-spiritual anatomy, if you don't know this, you know where your elbow is. You know that your fingers are on the ends of your hands and the joints are connected, but you don't have a clue about your inner bio-spiritual anatomy. Just because you can't see it now doesn't mean it isn't there. And there are people who can see it. So I think that's the most difficult hurdle of all is the restrictions of this lesser being. It really is a lesser being in our organization of information the mind follows the mind follows the mind Mind always follows the body does not lead now if you are just learning engaging the mind first can start the habits going but you cannot rely on that my healing pretty much for the most part has just been me being present mm. with myself. Absolutely. But that's not your mind. Didn't have to do it. But I do have to say when I uh, had uh, one of my mother's cats got attacked by a rabid raccoon Ooh. and there was a lot of healing that I did for him. And there was a moment where they thought they were going to have to amputate his leg. And I'm like, no, don't let him yet. No, don't let him yet. Let me, let me work. And, and what happened? I mean, we saved the leg and, and of course, then I said, if, if I can save the leg, I can save a toe. Well, I should have said I can save, save all the toes because he lost three of them, but we, we get to, um, but what I did is I, I visualized the, like the cleaning of the gangrene. Mm-hmm. I visualized little I call them my little healing construction men rebuilding. Absolutely. um, You know, the blood vessels and the nerves and whatever. And, and that does help. But what I think is the key is that presence, that being present in the moment, whether you are helping to promote healing in somebody else, or I would argue supporting them so they can do their own healing. Yeah. Sometimes that visualization, the mindset, it can help you get into the frame of mind so your body can go, all right, you finally met me where I need you to be, and then you can do the work. Well, see, I'm an artist by by background. I started life as an artist. So I have a different perception of that, which is that's creativity and imagination, which oh, absolutely, the mind, again, yeah. follows. The mind follows creativity and imagination. And then when you allow that presence, that's for me when the actual gorgeous seeing the structures and understanding how they work that are embedded in and all around that most people at this point still can't see, but they're there. Yeah. I use the analogy of Pastor. I remember when when he first 
propose to people that there was this thing called a germ and nobody mm. could see it. They thought he <laughs> was bonkers. And that's how I feel. I feel like I'm this paradigm generation's pester. Mm, yeah. Let me show you how we see this mm. and open up that whole universe of information to you. Yeah. We all have this ability. And I want all of you listeners out there to understand that you have this ability to. Yeah. All you need to do is find somebody like Anais or someone to kind of guide you, read a book on somebody who already has these keys for you. If you are meant to have that key, you will get them. You just will. It just happens. This is your default state of being. It is. And it's all co-resonant frequency. You just have to find your co-resonance, really. And the rest will happen on its own. But that's why we're all here together. Mm -hmm. That's why we're here together. Absolutely. This planet was built for an exchange of ideas. Togetherness, Togetherness, exchange of ideas, exchange of codes and information. And it's just, that's why the DNA is built the way it is. It It is a, it's your own little personal computer that's replicated over and over and over again. It's all information and just and it's all energy first. I can't even keep the word. I can't even get the words out. Um, but yeah, because it just amazes me. It just puts me in this like excited, hopeful state that the more we can get people to see this and see who they are at a soul level, just lives will be just instantaneously bettered. I'm looking forward to the day, Victoria, because I think it's coming soon. I've had little glimpses of this personal experiences like this, where we will not have the same relationship with electricity that we have now, where we will take on our accountability and the power that we have as human beings, because it is, it's innate, it's in the design, and we will have a different relationship with that form of information and energy so that it becomes free energy. Yeah. But, you know, I'm the little mutant person who arrived here. Who knows? Oh, I I agree in the free energy thing. I know it's coming (laughs) because it's there. And one of these days, you're just going to say, turn on light. And that light's going to turn on. (laughs) I do that now. When we've had power outs in my neighborhood and on our property, I have that conversation. And I've documented it. And it's like, I know you're there. You know I'm here. Yeah. We need to communicate, and this is the win-win-win for the world that I live in. So, (laughs) welcome back. (laughs) Oh, wow. Our listeners are going to be like, oh, my gosh, their head's going to be spiraling off their shoulders. (laughs) Um. (laughs) If if we do all of this and they just are more willing to listen to their dogs and cats, we will have accomplished our mission. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> this is one for the books. Our grandchildren yeah. need to be able to listen to this. Go listen to these teasers. <laughs> they knew what was coming. How did they know? <laughs> Look at that. I mean, really, you should save this for posterity. Oh, I have all of them. I, I keep <laughs> all of them. <laughs> beautiful, ladies. Just beautiful. If beautiful. anybody wants to you know, as they've listened to this, if they are at a place where they want to delve in deeper and learn more about some of the concepts that we talked about, is there a place that they can go to 
find more about it? I think the easiest place is actually my YouTube channel because everything that's there has a link in it where you can be led to somewhere else. And that is Accelerated Conscious Evolution. So if you just search for Accelerated Conscious Evolution on YouTube, you'll find my little baby channel. I had to start a new one because YouTube shut down my first one. I was getting a little bit too frisky for that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But so far, it's okay. And that's a good place to reach me because I do have links inside almost every video on how you can get to my website or look at something else. And then you can follow the cheese trail which I think is healthy for people to do a little bit of work. Yeah, we'll put that link in uh, the show notes so that they can go for that. Thank you. Thank you. And I love the fact that we just circled back to the mice. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, we are. um, What are we? 98% DNA is all co-resonant, coherent and the same. So of mice mice and men. (laughs) Yep. So embrace your inner mouse and yeah. follow the cheese trail by going to the YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm having so much fun. Um, well, in honor of your time, uh, we don't want to keep you too much longer. We've been chatting for yes. a really long time. And this is going to be such amazing conversation. I so love these conversations. I You guys don't even know how much I love these conversations. And that's why you've been seeing a little bit here. Um, because this This is is amazing what it's all about. It's what it's all about. You're making this available to people, which is astonishing. So thank you for doing that and doing it so well and so gracefully. I think knowing this is going to help the animal files. One of the key things that we do is we want to give animals a voice. Mm -hmm. Some of actually all of the stuff I think we've talked about tonight lays that foundation so we can truly be able to connect with our animals and seriously give them a voice. Okay. Now, Miranda and Victoria, you will email me when you have the interview with the ant whisperer. I will be waiting. <laughs> I got, Oh, I gotta get, I gotta get working. Trying to find it. I haven't found an ant whisperer yet. <laughs> I'll bet there's one somewhere. <laughs> But just like mice, I think they're little mini robots from another planet. So um, (laughs) they're just here to build things. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe they're the way that we're going to get the free energy on this planet. I don't know. (laughs) Them and termites. They just they're just builders. (laughs) Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much for a delightful couple of hours. I thought this was going to be a half an hour. What fun. (laughs) We tend to do that. Good for you. Good, good for you. And we're just glad our guests are willing to have these conversations and yeah, go for a little bit longer to get this information out. Beautiful. Thank you so much. You're so very welcome. And you will have an open invitation to come back and join us anytime. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Be well, (laughs) stay safe, stay open and present. Yes. There you go. Thank you. All right. So you have a great evening and we will see you around the super <laughs> woo world. <laughs> you keep counting on it. Thank You're you again. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Night. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Wow. What an amazing conversation. That was so much 
fun. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I know it was a little heavy at times and a little deep, but that's okay. And if you don't necessarily resonate with it just yet, just sit with it. I always tell everybody, use discernment. You need to know what works with your life. So take what you need from what we talked about. We talked about an awful lot. You don't have to be 100% on board with everything. That's fine. But I promise you that if you listen back to this podcast a few times, you will see that there is a common thread between us humans and those animals. You'll see that it's not two separate things. We're connected. We are basically one. So sit with what we say, take what you need, and you'll be good. I promise you it's going to help you with your animals. That's why we bring you these deep topics, because all of this helps to build that foundation for you. And if you have any other questions, please, as always, reach out to us on our email. That is the Animal Files Podcast at gmail.com. You can head over to our website, the Animal Files Podcast.com. All of our links to all of our socials, our donation buttons, our merchandise, it's all on the website. You can even check out the podcast straight from the website so you don't have to go fiddling through your platforms to find the Animal Files podcast. You can just go right to the website. As we had mentioned, everything about Anais is going to be on our show notes and we will eventually have that on the website as well. Anything else you would like to add, Miranda, before we let them go? Because it's been a long one. I think you got it all covered. Awesome. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for joining us today. And we will see you next time on the Animal Files podcast. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.